0: Hey guys nick piette here and welcome to another episode of craft beer and data uh, obviously nick piette chief evangelist at talon mark
1: balkanini director of technical product marketing here at talon
0: and we're here in sunny philadelphia right i know our last episode we were in windproof brewery down in denver uh, the second uh stop in our uh, i like to call our thinking while drinking tour i know <laughs> we're not really allowed to call it that um but yeah so we're here in philadelphia we got christian uh, one of the brewers here at the Philadelphia Brewing Company. So thank you for taking time. Oh yeah, um, I gotta say this is just an amazing facility. Uh, you know, definitely coming in and just seeing like kind of where we're running the event this evening. It's 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 kind of amazing, um, but it actually has some roots kind of in the local area. So. You know, what, uh, as much as we like to talk about the brewery, I mean, just given the type of facility you guys have, I'd also love to talk about that. So how is this not only facility, but also the Philadelphia Brewing Company
2: really connected to this area? Um, well, we do a lot for the, uh, for the city. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, for this for it, exact area. Uh, we'll host a lot of events uh, here for, um, we'll do like the spring cleanup for everybody. Uh, there's also like the SBCA comes around here and we do um, yeah. what's called Catter Day. Um it's every uh I think it's every first Saturday of the month.
0: hmm yeah, yeah, I saw the
2: sign for kittens that yeah. you had down there. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, kittens are a big part of this brewery right now, especially. <laughs> so. That's pretty
0: awesome. Oh, that's yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I remember looking at your website. Just the the number of different events and stuff it looked like you guys were really connected. Now, mm-hmm. uh, the building, I, as far as like, tell, just doing the research,
2: kind of getting ready. Right this has been around since what, eighteen eighty five. Eighteen eighty five. Yeah, um, and it was a, it was a brewery. It's always well, it's I think it was an empty warehouse for like a for a number of years, but um, uh, it's it's quite obviously a brewery. And uh, it was designed to be a brewery, right, right which yeah, is the unique part of it. Mm-hmm. So
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, there
2: are tons of uh, uh, like. Bricked up uh, underground um, yeah. tunnels that lead to Unstandard. nowhere. I don't know bowling <laughs> <laughs> alleys where you see
0: yeah. throw that. Well, out. Right, right. We went
1: through prohibition too. So right. were, he was telling us that during prohibition that they, they were making soda basically. Mm, soda. And yeah. the yeah. Room downstairs P-pack was drinks, the peacock yeah. drinks. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, very, very long history. And mm-hmm. then when did it become Philadelphia
0: Brewing again? Do about two thousand one.
2: Is it was about like sixteen years ago. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. Seventeen years ago.
0: No, that's awesome. And, and you guys came in here and you started, which kind of brings us in. So, what what started Philadelphia Brewing Company? What, what was it about the beer that you guys realized? Yeah, this is something unique, and we really want to start producing this.
2: Mm. Well, I think uh, I, th- I think the allure behind it is just. Um, again, I, I've only been working here for about uh, about two years, right. um, so I don't really know exactly um, how how they got their start. But I think they realized that they had something good, and then uh, and. The names behind it really go with the uh, with the neighborhood. So, Ken, uh, Kensington, Kensinger, mm-hmm. like, and then there's New Bold, of course, and then um, Walt Whitman with a Walt Whit. PPA is like um, the uh, the logo is uh, referencing uh, uh, the railroad workers. So, oh. so. Interesting. Yeah. So definitely, has got the history behind it. Hmm. Um, now, I always
0: joke when we're talking brewers that you know asking this next question is kind of like picking your favorite kid, um, but Hey, for the brewers that are on tap, which one's your
2: favorite? Uh, I'd have to say the new bold, actually. Okay. Yeah, it's got a nice, uh, robust uh, flavor to it. Nice. It nice hoppy notes in there.
0: Okay. Yeah.
2: One, we once
1: asked a brewer in, in Boulder, actually, or in Boulder, Colorado, and he said, whatever I just tapped is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> well, usually, it, yeah, yeah, I think, I think. Whatever um, the freshest is. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's also true. But uh, I, I think usually when, like, uh, when we have a lot of rotating uh, seasonals, whichever mm-hmm. is the last one to come out, it, I would say is the favorite. So Excellent. Now,
0: what's the current seasonal that you guys are working on right now?
2: Um, well, we have the, uh, we have Kilti Pleasure in the tank, which is a uh, Scotch Ale.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. yeah, so it's it's got uh, some, some heated malt in there. Uh, actually, um, by, mis- by mistake, we uh, put in some uh, French oak spirals, but um, <laughs> that's only going to happen. It's only a mistake, it doesn't yeah. out, yeah. it's <laughs>
0: otherwise intended. No, that's, that's cool. So, I mean, specifically for you,
2: like, what was it that drove you to want to be a, a, a brewer? Um, I think it was, it's going to sound bizarre, but it was just, uh, I was kind of in the right place at the right time. Um, I mean, you. It's it sounds like a dream job, <laughs> like coming yeah. in and like work just working at a brewery. So I started out in the in the packaging department, and then um, somewhere along the line, I was just I just kept in the in in line for next step up.
0: Oh, oh that's, yeah, that's and awesome. Was, and
2: I've been fortunate enough ever since. So
0: yeah, no, this place is uh, just the, the, not only the beers, the history, the the outreach you guys have for the community. It's it's a great place. Um, you no, know, and, and finally, I think one of the it's always interesting to hear as well. Uh, you know, when we we're working, we never stop coding, right? It's you know, well, it's time to leave, go to the office, gotta go home. Mm-hmm. I get back
2: there, I'll code some more. For you guys, as brewers, uh, do, you, do you take your work home with you? Um, uh, well, the the, the, <laughs> the stress, you try not to, but um, but uh, in other in other terms, like uh, creative wise, I think since I live I live so close to here, uh, a lot of what I can take home with me is stuff that I've been working on here. Okay. So you can, like I've lately just been doing uh, like bottle conditioning um, in the uh, in the brew house. And then every once in a while just, you know, just, just doing that, never bringing it home really, unless it's like uh, around Christmas time or something, so, i hand so it you off So you don't brew beer at home then? Um, you do enough here. No, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's too funny here. <laughs> well, it actually
0: kind of feeds us into the kind of last question. So. You know how and what what goes on when you guys decide like, hey, this is the you know, the, like you mentioned the new Scotch Ale mm-hmm. which you guys are putting out. Like, what was the decision
2: behind kind of deciding that that was going to be the next seasonal? Um, you mean like in terms of like a, like for for each new one? Yeah, yeah. So what's the thought process behind it? I think we're just trying to do something that um that is either n- not done or something something's. That we, that we haven't done in a while. Uh, I guess our last seasonal that we did, which was the, uh, or our last one-off, I should say, which was uh, the Euthanasia, okay. which was a, a Japanese hopped ale, hmm. uh, like a rice uh, base, and um, that one was a very unique um, beer for us, it was a double IPA. Huh, and, yeah. Um,
0: so we One just for wanted unique. to. Well, yeah, that's that's common name. Yeah, it's
2: like a. I don't even. I'm not sure if we have a. Uh, we did a small batch of that. We right. might not have anything left.
0: Oh, you can't No. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> no. I mean, it, but it's it's always fascinating to see just like what the creative juices are deciding. Like, all right, you know. I mean, we've been to some breweries where they're just like, yeah, we throw a bunch of stuff together and see what happens. We'll make a small batch. I'll we'll make a big batch. And
2: yeah, it, I mean, it somehow it somehow comes together like that uh, too. So I mean. Um, <laughs> But started uh, with, off as a stew uh,
0: turns into a great,
2: yeah. Right. So uh, we're, we're constantly uh, changing like, the, uh, the hop bill for, the, um, for our one season, all the harvest from the hood. Okay. So uh, uh, Dan, the uh, head brewer, and I got together, and we were just just researching hops and like, what was going to go inside. And, and we got lucky. It was a very <laughs> successful uh, brew. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Sometimes no. luck plays into everything. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well,
0: hey, thank you for taking the time to talk Oh, use, yeah, no. Um, of course not. Again, we're here at the Philadelphia Brewing Company, obviously in Philadelphia. Um, really excited to hear to be here. Um, you know, for those of you that are coming tonight, really excited to see you too. Uh, again, thank you so much, yeah, and we'll come back with you in a minute. That was a great conversation with Christian here at Philadelphia Brewing Company. Again, my name is Nick. I'm Mark, right? And we're here for craft beer and data. So, last episode we talked about some of the predictions that we had that were going to come out in this year, right? And one of the ones that uh, had a lot of some feedback, some follow-up was around kind of the concept of an information gateway or what is an information broker and how does that kind of work right How can companies really start monetizing their data We often hear too many times that, that data is the new oil um, and so obviously being here in Philadelphia' I hate that um, saying I know <laughs> I know what, what, what was just fortunate for us is obviously we have a great partner um, that's here in Philadelphia and so we thought hey why don't we bring you on and talk about it so Dave um, thank you for being on the show. If you could take a couple minutes to just kind of explain who you are and what's going on with you.
3: Absolutely. Thank you, Nick, Mark, for having me. Uh, Dave Taddy, uh, CEO and founder of Integris. We're a, a local uh, company here in uh, Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and we help companies monetize their data.
0: And we found the yeah, cool. right Absolutely. I'm so <laughs> glad. Now, so, I mean, just to kind of kick this off, like, how do you define? what is data monetization? Hey, wait,
1: before we start. Yes. Before we start, we're, we're, we, we are going to mention one thing. So Nick and I agreed. Uh, we're going to retire the big data chug. Uh, we're just going to let it go. I won, clearly. You did. You did. Uh, by a long shot. So thank you, Nick. Cheers. And I'll actually cheers you this time. All right. It's amazing <laughs> how you know how to cheers now. <laughs> For those that have maybe seen the bloopers of our 2018 commercial, you would know why that's funny. But anyway, so let's get back to the monetization. Yes. <laughs> I, I Take defeat. <laughs> so yes, data. So, monetization. So what is data monetization? Right. What Absolutely. is it? So um, you know, you,
3: you let off by talking about the information broker, and and you know, um, traditionally people think of data monetization as let's get our data and sell it. Right. So uh, nowadays that's uh, evolved a little bit mm-hmm. to really talk about how do we extract value from our data. So something a little bit more generic. Right. Um, whether that's internal or external. So obviously, there's um, you know many internally focused projects that can be done around data management and analytics to monetize that data, and obviously you know new
1: um, external uh, sources of monetization as well. So when you say internal, are you talking about they're selling the data to other departments internally, or what do you mean by internally monetizing? It? Sure. So it's, again, it goes back to extracting that value
3: from the data. Mm-hmm. So usually that is um, you know, tied to business goals, business right. outcomes, you know, at the executive level. And that's one of um, you know, our differentiators in the marketplace. You know, we, we really focus on that data strategy first, and then help on the execution side. And usually that data strategy is aligned with the business goals. Makes and, sense. and on the internal focused uh, monetization projects, it's usually about um, increasing revenues. Uh, improving profitability or boosting effectiveness. Yeah,
1: that makes effectiveness
0: sense. Effectiveness
1: of like marketing campaigns, for example. That would be one example. I think we talked about earlier retention as well, maybe of customers.
0: Uh, acquisition, know, retention.
3: Acquisition. Uh, we're seeing yeah. that uh, across uh, a light, large swath of our customers as well, you know, across industries as well, where that is becoming. So, n- sorry, sorry, finished. Becoming uh, <laughs> more and more uh, critical. You yeah, know, where they're they're really. Uh,
1: understanding the the value that can be you know, brought by data. So, so basically, they're they're taking a better advantage of data that they had, or or maybe they didn't realize they had, to in, to improve those those internal goals, right? Exactly. You know, if you if you look at you know the
3: progression of data, you know, over the last you know five or ten years, you know, everyone was under the mindset I need to just collect all my data. But right. no one really had a goal for it. You know, right. They didn't really know why they were collecting it. But they—the first time we've heard that—they right? they, <laughs> they knew that they had to collect it. Yeah. So first thing that comes to mind is swamp, but hey, yeah, we yeah. won't go there. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know. So now companies are, are seeing you know success you know with other companies, and now they're trying to you know, emulate that. Right. Where they're combining both internal and external you know sensory nodes, I'll call it, or right. um, you know sources of information.
0: Now that, that's interesting. I mean, we we often hear time and time again. The need for organizations to be less cost center, more revenue generating. So it, it definitely aligns with what you're seeing too. Um, and, and we kind of touched on a little bit some of the benefits, but uh, you know, really for an organization to really take advantage of what what would be one of the most valuable benefits. I know it's going to be different across the board, but you know, holistically, you know, what would you see as kind of the primary benefit of doing this kind of?
3: Yeah, it, it's really going to you know vary by industry and vary mm-hmm. by company. Um, I'll point out some good examples that we're seeing absolutely um like like i was mentioning mark um, You know, to mark you know, we're seeing a lot in the you know, marketing analytics space mm-hmm. so whether that's um you know mining their internal data to get a more complete picture of the um your customer right to either effectively segment them and target them more effectively uh and that'll help with you know acquisition yep you know or on the flip side you know the attrition yeah as you know, the um you know, those customers leave. You know, how do we know who's going to leave and what we might do to, to better target them to, um, you know, entice them to stay. Hmm. Uh, that's you know, one example. Other examples have to do with uh, MDM or master data management. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing uh, a lot more of those projects. Um, calm know, down, Mark. I know about him. Dude. Yeah, down, I, I know. I know. Calm down. So calm down, Mark. You, <laughs> so, um, you know, th- those are some very interesting <laughs> I projects. For to tell you the keywords, like the I secret know. words for Mark. Yes.
1: that's why it's called data,
0: because I'm like talking
1: about all kinds of
3: data, master data. Yeah, calm down, Mark.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Just calm.
1: Sorry, Nick. It's okay, Mark. Carry
3: on. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll,
0: we'll release you from that cage later.
3: <laughs> so, some of those projects are very interesting. Um, you know, we're um, with one of our clients, for instance, a supply chain management company. Um, they're using it for both internal and external uh, focuses. Mm-hmm. So internal, um, they have, as you can imagine...
0: Yeah, uh, that one's good. I, yeah, I like that one. Yeah.
3: Um, they have um, uh, you know, several internal use cases for it where they can you know, monetize that data. So uh, effectively, they have uh, part numbers spread out throughout different clients and they don't have a, any normalized or standardized right. um, you know, data. So if they can get to a place you know, once they get to a place where they can normalize that information, then they've increased their profitability dramatically because now they can do bulk purchasing power. So again, it's tying it back to a business outcome and business goal. And then the other interesting aspect of that, now that they have good clean data on millions of records, they can then start selling it back to their clients and in the marketplace as well.
0: Yeah, no, that's
1: good. So talk a little bit about... um, you know what what it means for a company to start taking advantage of this you mentioned sensory other sensory data and and you know explain that a little bit like in terms that you know maybe the rest of us would understand but right <laughs> but uh you know you know i you know i've done in my career i've done a lot of uh, business intelligence and data warehouses and ods's and data marts and this and that and all around reporting on you know the historical data the transactional data and you know financial reporting and things like that or maybe maybe if you know I'm really forward thinking I was you know I once did some segmentation of of you know what we called our customers or doctors in that case but those were our customers so you know everybody IT departments are really good at that like we're all really good at setting up our data warehouses our EW, EDWs or CDWs and whatever you want to call it Ws right but when you start taking you know when you start thinking about monetizing data or thinking about these new sources of data and taking advantage of it what do you? What's what's the big challenges for IT departments today to start doing that? I mean, it, it's not something I think you just start doing overnight, right? You just don't wake up in the morning and say, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna start taking care of sensor data, right?" Or I'm gonna you know jump on Facebook and pull all the data from there, or twit, tweeter, uh, Twitter, tweeter. tweeter, tweeter. I love it. <laughs> yeah. You know, so what what are some of the challenges you see with you know customers or, or you know IT departments today? I'll so think. I, I think one of
3: the biggest challenges I see is it being an IT-driven project, where um, you know they'll start building the enterprise data warehouse and you know bringing in all these sources of information. If they wanted to uh, go after a marketing project, maybe they'll bring it in from Adobe Analytics and you know, their email system and CRM system, just to aggregate it all. Um, so without, th- the challenge with that that we see is that without a clear understanding of what they're going to do with that data, then it just becomes, you know, swamp like you're you know talking about earlier. So it's that's more yeah. IT focus, right. where IT is driving it, right? Exactly. Okay. Um, so <clears throat> we like to flip that, or recommend flipping that a little bit. Um, really start with that business outcome. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, you know, at the executive level as well, because without the executive buy-in, you know, these projects, you know, some of them can take a long time. Absolutely. And the nice or thing or about fail. it, yeah, fail. exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you know, we we typically recommend start small. Start small with a very laser focused um, you know outcome in mind absolutely and only um, put the pieces into that data warehouse or wherever that you know central repository is um, you know that you need
1: to uh, to prove it out to prove out that value right so you you mentioned uh, you know i t driven how often do you see where like the business you know say a Cmo or somebody in marketing or you know, on the sales side or whatever is actually leading the charge, and IT can't can't meet the need or or is lagging. Uh, you know, how how often do you see that, and what is the outcome of, of those situations?
3: So I, I I'm starting to see that more and more, um, especially on the CMO side, where they're really trying to concentrate. Got kind of lucky, yeah, no, <laughs> absolutely.
0: Kind of like what's happening internally, you know, yeah, yeah, So
3: so <laughs> um, because they they understand that they have all this data at their at, at their disposal, but they. Aren't being able to uh, make those decisions, you know, uh, uh, about their customers, about where to put their limited marketing dollars, you know, who to target. Mm. Uh, so typically, w- what will happen is that they'll engage a shadow IT. Com- you know, they'll, they'll go into shadow IT, yeah, engage I don't know another about, company. I don't know yeah, you know nothing about that, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> and then so one of the big challenges there is that because you know if there's a disconnect between the IT and the you know the marketing uh, department, then the IT folks have to support it at the end, and usually it's not supportable because most likely it was just done for. I won't take that personally. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, because, because it, no. it, it wasn't done with a strategy right. in mind, with a man- right. proper data management strategy. You know, think of it as a uh, tip of the iceberg. Absolutely. Right? So they'll deliver something, you know, very point, because that's what's in their SOW, um, mm-hmm. but there's a lot going on behind, you know, underneath the yeah, water to absolutely. be able to operationalize that and actually make it usable to the organization itself.
0: Right, so with that in mind, and knowing that there are these types of challenges, uh, if we we spent a lot of time talking with developers. Is there any guidance that you would give a developer to one kind of identify that either the project they're about to work on or even just how to identify a project could be tied to a data monetization project? Um, really, essentially, how can they succeed um, to help their teams with that? Like any guidance you might have?
3: Right. so uh, my, my advice to uh, developers would be you know tie it back to you know one of those three uh, business outcomes. you know increase revenue. Improve profits or boosting effectiveness. There's a fourth one that we haven't really talked about yet, uh, which is you know the traditional view of data monetization, which is new revenue streams. Mm -hmm. So if you can tie it back to one of those four, and then more importantly, get a business sponsor, you know to really understand uh, what some of the assumptions would be going into it, and going through a process where you're validating those assumptions, validating those learnings throughout the process.
0: Okay, no, that's absolutely. that's just even great guidance for the stuff that we're working on until yeah. when we're not sitting here drinking. So it's <laughs> when's that, Nick? Yeah, oh, <laughs> right. I know. Um,
1: yeah, the the you know new business model or like you had talked about is interesting because you know, you know Nick Nick said we're gonna talk about this topic, so I wanted to read up on a little, uh, some of this topics around here that there.
0: he reads people I didn't know this this is I knew I
1: try to read uh, <laughs> Big so pictures was, you, was, know, you know dog. yeah lots right. of pictures lots of pictures I usually have my six-year-old read to me but <laughs> 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 but I thought I was reading about you know new models and um, or specifically around you know being able to take advantage of the new business cases or new business models uh, and companies that can't you know or or are stuck in the rut and won't get out of what they've traditionally done and look at the data they have to take advantage of new business models and some of the examples that you know that kept coming up were like PayPal, Google Wallet, even even Uber. Because yeah. if you think about like Yellow Cab, they could have easily done what Uber did. Even easier than what Uber did. And somebody outside of the market comes in and, and builds a whole new model using data and technology and has basically put you know yellow cab in, in serious trouble, right? If you think about it, a very simple model around, yeah. you know, taxing ride shares. And they're, they're hugely successful. So, And it happens everywhere. So, you know, do you have any uh, guidance on, on, you know, people that may be watching this thinking about new business models and looking at what data is available, what you have? Maybe, you know, you mentioned you're, you're uh, more financial, you know, industry focused. You know, are there things in that area that you could talk about? Like, how, how, is, how can you look at what data is available to you and think of new models maybe? So, uh, you know, Traditionally,
3: in, in companies, there, you know, what we're seeing is, um, you know, they need to evolve their analytical curiosity. Mm-hmm. So we, we we see that That's as a you know, very ver-
1: curiosity. I love I do, that. that. That's a good I one. love that. <laughs> to that later. They have to uh, <laughs> <laughs> now patent
3: pending. <laughs> no, um, trademark. Trademark ending. Yes.
1: Um, I love it.
0: Yeah,
3: <laughs> so to to yeah. evolve their analytical curiosity, you know, is is one of the big challenges as well. You know, in these organizations, and you know, as they start small with the internal data, Mm -hmm. you know, they start asking all those questions. You know, how can I do this? And then tying that back into actionable decisions. Yes, absolutely. So what we see in a lot of companies is they spend 90% of their time in data preparation uh, and 10% in the actual analytics. And then usually we come in and say, great, you know, we can obviously help you with the the data preparation, you know, with our partners, Talend, and Mm -hmm. and, uh, other technologies, you know, for data storage. And you're doing some great analytics, but what are you actually going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? So once you start down that path, then I I think your your question comes into play. You know, how do you understand what's happening in their marketplace? Right. You know, how how do you you know look into other data sources, whether it's publicly available information? You know, for instance, in the banking space, you know, you can you know download information on every bank about Mm -hmm. how many loans they've done. you know, and oh, and, and who they've yeah. who they've lent to <laughs> essentially. You know, it's you know, home done CRA. Um, you know, so there's a lot of publicly available information. You know, with that information, for instance, you could you know you could you know tell you know, who's actually a competitor. You know, in your space, you know who's moving in, who's moving out. So that's just one example of using you know external sensory information, you know, in the marketplace to understand what those trends are. So, for instance, going back to Yellow Book, you know, if they had started to see that. Um, trend, mm-hmm. um, you know, then they, they wouldn't have, you know, the, they probably would have been in the forefront. Absolutely.
0: That's, that's Excellent. So, I mean, obviously we've been talking about like what it is, how companies can use it, what are the benefits, what are the challenges, how can a developer kind of identify those types of things. Um, one of the interesting things that we were talking about as we were prepping was kind of essentially the new wave of how data is being distributed, which kind of impacts the way data monetization can really impact a business. And you know it's, it's also a nice tie into probably our next episode where we talk about it, but blockchain, right? Now, we've seen it all over the place in terms of companies finding new ways of distributing that data. And certainly, as you mentioned, once an organization has clean, defined, and structured data, they can start packaging it for sale. It makes sense that the next kind of logical conversation would be, well, how are we going to distribute that information? Hence blockchain. So you, know, you had some, some great insights when we were prepping. So like, what, what's your take on blockchain? So blockchain obviously has
3: been uh, made famous with Bitcoin. Yep. Uh, so the underlying technology for Bitcoin. Um, so a- as companies and industries are determining, you know, how to use it, yeah. um, I-, I think we're going to, you know, find some very, very interesting use cases. So yeah. for instance, you know, we're talking about financial services. Um, you know, one use case might be AML and KYC, yeah. mm-hmm. any money laundering and know your customer. Yeah. So one of the interesting things about that is that, you know, that information is relevant to a person, so why can't they just take their information, go from financial institution to financial institution, right. and you know the financial institutions you know add to the chain. Yeah. Um, so the interesting part of being able to monetize that, if you then become you know the, the chain owner. Yeah. You know where um, you're cleansing, the, you're making sure the data is clean, um, you know, and, and helping companies you know access the chain and. You know something interesting for talent as well, being able to access and pull information from the chain um,
1: and help those companies out. It's just one example. Well, no, blockchain might be good for electronic health record too. Oh, absolutely. Sitting here thinking about while you guys are talking like absolutely. So I I think anything that's portable, you know, and
3: uh, specifically anything that is for a person that you can port. We're when we were prepping, we were talking about GDPR. Yep, oh, you know, the uh, topic GDPR. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, uh, the the global data protection. We love you, John Michelle. We love you, John Michelle, and GDPR. No, but yeah. So, so one of the requirements from uh, GDPR, which doesn't seem to be clearly defined, is the <laughs> transportability of information. Yes. So, there's no standard yet, but you know, eventually they'll get to a standard where you know I have my information in a company, and I want to say I'm doing a financial business with a you know, bank, I want to yep. be able to take all my information, just port it right over to another financial institution. Very similar to what you do with a cell phone number. Yeah. So it should be, eventually it'll be that easy. Blockchain technology, I think, will enable that.
0: Well, and, and you actually, you, you mentioned something that I'm going to put my flag in the sand and say, this is gonna be a standard. This is how blockchain is gonna be successful. There's it's, another standard he's defining. I know, Well, but I mean, you, you mentioned it. Once so it's recorded on the it's, internet, it's, it's, it's true, right? right? Nick's <laughs> rules of how business <laughs> works. No, um, I, you hit it dead on, which is even just in terms of the ability to distribute data the, the blockchains that are actually going to be the most successful are the ones that, in conjunction with being able to distribute the data, the chain owner themselves also takes responsibility for the cleanliness of the data across the entire chain. Right? And you, kinda, you mentioned parts of that. And as I was thinking about this, it's a whole new way of looking at that ecosystem, essentially, hey, I mean, obviously garbage in, garbage out, but recognizing that in order for these chains, and, and really the, the, some of the revenue generating potentials with the initial coin offerings, comes to how beneficial is the data that exists within the chain. And Absolutely. so having the chain owner take some level of responsibility of saying, yeah, I'm going to make sure this is clean data. I'm going to make sure this is relevant data. I'm going to make sure it's structured data. Now, I know that there's some level of you know, certain industries. I have to make that's sure that's my data is structured. Yes. Mark, we, we, there's a lot we got to talk to you I'd about. I'd rather be unstructured. I know. I know, buddy. Um, it's OK. We'll work with you. Um, but no, I mean, I think that that's, that's definitely if we look, I bet you, you know, as this takes off, in, in 18 months after we really start to see this, the ones Another that, prediction. Yep, this is the prediction. The 18 months from when that initial success, I really truly believe, the the chains that are going to be the most valuable, the ones that are going to be the most profitable, are going to be the ones that have the best data, uh, right? I have mean, a complete I, record. Yes, absolutely, have a complete record, a
3: complete record from multiple sources mm-hmm. that are then you know validated, you know, together.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So I mean. By, by Mark. By the, by the user. We get the Mark Balkan and a stamp no, seal no, no. approval. I, I meant by the user, Nick. Right, right. No, no. It's okay, guys. By the owner. Well, you, you can definitely be one of the nodes. That's fine. Very, oh, okay. very, <laughs> very <laughs> soon on our, our craft beer and data marketplace, there'll be a, a Mark Balkan and a seal of approval stamp. So, oh, all those so. chains will be ready to go. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, Dave, this has been just a wonderful... I like, thank you so much for taking time with us to, to give us your knowledge in terms of data monetization as well as blockchain. I think this is going to be a great episode for our viewers as well yeah, as plenty of people within the company.
1: It's been great to have an expert, yeah. an industry expert, come and talk to us about it here in Philly. So thank you very much, for sure. Absolutely.
0: So for those of you that are, are following us on our tour, obviously, you know, we mentioned Philadelphia this time. The next episode will be out in Nashville. We're really looking forward to meeting everyone out there. And Can't we'll, wait to go to the Honky Tonks in <laughs> Nashville. You'll fit
1: right in with your plaid shirt. <laughs> I, yeah, I will be treated, a cowboy will be treated yeah. like a local. I will be the first to admit I'll, I'll I will... have to bring my plaid shirt from I will. From I'll bring coop. my
0: cowboy boots and my hat and we'll, uh, we'll go, I'll enjoy it. But you know, for those of you that are, uh, again, we thank you so much for watching this. This has been another episode of Craft Beer and Data. Until the next one, Mark, can you, Dave, and Dave? Cheers. Yeah? Cheers. Well, I figured you knew how to cheers. i got to work with this one, <laughs> so it's a learning process. Thanks, guys. See ya. Thank you.